The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. My focus just kept going back to the theater. So even when I was, you know, writing thesis, theses and papers on what, what, whatever sort of ethnic studies topic I was, uh, I was asked to, to, to cover, I always ended up sort of doing it through the, the lens of this is how movies presented dark-skinned actors versus light-skinned actors. Mm-hmm. This is what, this is what, um, what in, in the history of film, this is how the, the gay characters were often the villain. And they were not explicitly gay, but there was always this arch sort of camp character who was twirling his mustache, who the audience sort of recognized as gay, even though no one ever, you know, there was not a boyfriend or a lover or a, you know, glory hole or whatever. Um, But so that's the kind of stuff I was always talking about when I was doing these papers where I was studying people. Uh, So it always ended up going back to theater and film. So I just felt like that's if that's what I'm interested in, I should probably keep focusing on that. We've all been put here for a reason, and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age, and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. 
I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Judging Megan. I am your host, Megan Judge. Um, I am so honored today to have my guest on. I'm just going to go right into introducing him. His name is Daryl Stevens. I have known him for many years. He's one of the most handsome people I've ever met in my life. He's an actor. Don't say ew. You know it's true. He also does not age, which I don't I don't understand it, and it's really freaking unfair. You know who else is like that is my husband. He just doesn't. Yeah, I was going to say you're married to Ron Melendez. How is, how is it even? He, he doesn't. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here like I'm like I'm about to start putting like poo on my face to just like stop the hands of time. And like, I'll do Maybe anything at this point. And, and like you stop two it. just don't. You just like have frozen in time. It's not fair. Okay. Audience, Daryl is, he's funny, he's famous, and he's fabulous. And you might know him <laughs> if you have watched the TV show Noah's Ark, which he's known for. Also, most recently, he was a series regular on a show on CBS called Be Positive. He also is a dad, and he we Ooh. share like the best most amazing friend in common named Stephen Bowman. Shout out Bowman. Cause I know you're going to listen to this and welcome. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Three years in, I finally got you on. Thank you so much. How are you today? It's been hard. Well, I've had, I have a two and a mm-hmm. half year old, so I'm, I'm running around all the time chasing her now. So it's, it's, and we're also doing construction. So listeners, if you hear banging or saws buzzing, please do not be offended Upstairs is almost done. I couldn't get the contractor to stop today, but we're going to try to it's get It's okay. Through. Right now I can't hear it. And, um, you know, a lot of my listeners happen to be moms and dads so er, and have children. So I think people can understand what it's like to have a two and a half year old. I also, now my kids, believe it or not, are 13 yeah. and nine, which is crazy. Your kid is 13? I have 13? a 13 year old. Yeah. Can you believe that? Oh my God, I've not seen her since. Like she was a baby, probably. I feel like last time I saw her, she was in a car seat. I know. So she was big, but yeah, in a car so, seat. I so Daryl wow. and I have known each other, like, let's backpedal a little bit for years and years. Like, since Ron and I probably were first together, I met you. So that's over, that's like 20 plus years, right? That's almost 20 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and acting class way back. Yeah. Were you in acting class with Ron? I was. Okay. Um, that's with not what you and I met. I think I got into class after. Yes. Okay. Okay. Smith. Yes. And um, and he, this one day, I just have to tell you that my audience's story because it's so funny. This one day, hit, hit one of his best friends, Stephen Bowman, who I've had on the podcast, who honestly, like nobody on the planet makes me laugh harder than Bowman. He's the funniest person I've ever met. Like I just, even looking at him, like he can make me laugh harder than anyone else on the planet. And this one day I see Daryl and Steven at the Grove and we've just, Steven and I have just always done like the dumbest stuff. Like when we were in our twenties, we would just like, we would like dive into bushes, like not knowing if there was anything in the bush, but we would think it was really, really funny to just like go dive into a bush. 
And this one day we're at the Grove. And this was when there was still um, Abercrombie with the models. Abercrombie and Fitch. And they stood outside. And it was like a a cloud of like cologne, like flying into your face. Fierce cologne. It it was just like you would walk by and these these guys like with like like 12 packs would just be like, it was so, it's such a weird thing if you think about their advertising. Very very LA. So LA. LA. Yeah. And um, this one day I see them across, like, I think I saw you like all the way across the other side of the, of the Grove. And I just like go like flying and do like a flying leap, like Patrick Swayze style onto my foot. (laughs) And I go surprise, like right in front, right in front of the Abercrombie model who was just like standing there, like had no idea what to do. He was so mortified. And so to this day, and so now every time, yeah. every time I see Megan, now it's surprise. Like anytime I see you or I see Steven, I'm like surprise, surprise. <laughs> like everything's surprise. So anyway, that's how we're going to start out today's episode, Daryl. Good times. Um, let's. I just want to talk about you for the next little bit that we're together. Tell my audience. Let's start out here. You're an actor. You're a successful actor. You've lived in LA for years and years, like me. I would love to know your backstory, like where you grew up, where you're from. Let's start there. Yeah, I, well, I love the idea that you're calling me a successful actor because, you know, actors never feel like they've succeeded ever, you know. Wow. Ever. However, um, we we can start with the very, at the guess, at the very, very beginning, the Scientology, the big blue Scientology building on Fountain in the 70s. That was called the uh, Cedars of Lebanon Hospital. I was born there. Before, so before it was the Scientology Center, yeah. the hospital. Uh, I was born there. For years, I thought I was born at the Children's Hospital because I saw the address was on Fountain, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the Children's Hospital." But I, was, I, lo- I looked it up, and no, it was that building, that big blue building. Anyway, grew up in Altadena and Pasadena. Um, my mother and father split when I was very young, probably too young to remember. My mother remarried around the time I was five. I have a younger brother who's, I guess, I was around four. I have a younger brother who's about five and a half years younger than I am. We grew up in Altadena, in, which is like 40 minutes from, from L.A., east and maybe a little north. Um, and uh, I went to school in Berkeley, so we're going to skip high school until we get into that conversation. Oh, no, we could do high school because I was in high school. Uh, I was in, you know, they had electives. You could You could either do... Gym class, football, you could do gym class, which means you were running around chasing balls and shorts and tank tops, or you could do a sport. In my first year of high school, I, I was a swimmer. I played water polo. I don't recommend it. It is the hardest thing yeah. anybody has ever asked me to do. Water polo is, you're just drowning the whole time. Like if, you, if you're not an amazing swimmer, you're, de- you're, you're dead. So that didn't last. I, I did that my first year of, of high school. And then there was a dance class at my high school. This was in the ninth, in the, yeah, like this would be 1990, 89-90. So I joined the dance class, you know, putting a target on my back, but you know, Mm -hmm. it was what I wanted to do. Uh, And I joined the show choir. So I was in a very um, sports-centered high school dancing and doing show choir like it was a super our football team was like district cha- or whatever area champs and i was like running around in tights and singing 
show show tunes. So imagine that kid. Yeah. But at a at a, at a predominantly black and Latino high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to college, went to UC Berkeley. Uh, I, I decided I wanted to continue performing or have at least some sort of creative outlet somewhere while I was studying whatever I was going to be studying to get whatever degree I was going to get. Like, you don't know it when you're, you know, starting college, what you're going to do. And in the acting class that I took, I just really got caught up in, the, oh, I do like being on stage and actually speaking. Like most of my experience up until that point had been dancing and singing. But then there's this whole other thing of like exploring a character, which I hadn't really done in high school. So got into that and got cast in a few plays and um, really just never left the stage or the spotlight. From there, I just kept doing plays and then moved back to L.A. and, you know, got into a couple, booked a couple movies and a couple commercials and, you know, just kept kept doing that. (laughs) <laughs> Did you, when you were in in a in high school, were you like teased because you were doing theater or at that point you were dancing and doing show choir? Was that something that was difficult to deal with? You know, there was a, there was um, a power in the, first of all, yes, mm-hmm. there were definitely some jocks, some, some, some rougher around the edges dudes who took issue with the fact that I, you know, I was also just sort of a soft, sweet kid. I wasn't, I wasn't running around with swagger or super macho, you know, energy. Yeah. And in a, at a school like that, that sometimes, you know, again, puts a target on your back. But then because I leaned into what I was interested in performing and, you know, I was, I was, I guess, okay at it. Um, they almost kind of backed off. I think the first year I was doing dance, there was some some raised eyebrows and some snickering. And then, you know, also to to my credit, I was choreographing songs myself, dances to songs by Prince, uh, with a bunch of beautiful girls, putting myself at the center. So a lot of the football players were then like, "Yo, what's up with you know Camille? Can I talk? Can you hook me up with Tiffany and you know yeah. that kind of stuff?" So it became. It became a different energy, but it was really about figuring out how to make what I was doing work in that environment. And somehow I was savvy enough at that young age to sort of maneuver and and navigate through that. What I love, too, is that you just like owned it. I think I think a lot. I think that's the only way to do it. Yeah, the only way to do it. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think that I mean, you and I grew up around the same time, and I think that you know, I grew up doing theater my whole life. And I know the boys that were in theater with me were teased. And I just feel like if it's something that you're passionate about, especially if you're good at it, I think that as long as you own something, I mean, maybe I'm wrong and I'm being naive, but I think that's the best way to go about like bullies in general. You're like, you have a problem with it. This, And I tell my kids that all the time. You know, I think that's really important. And I talk a lot about bullying. Agreed. I think it really does change the whole bullying dynamic if you're owning everything that you are. Now, granted, I was not walking around with a rainbow flag saying, yes, I'm a gay man. Yeah. It was just I'm the performer kid who is going to make his way his own way. I'm not going to do what you guys are doing, throwing balls around, getting knocked in the head and, you know, hurting my ankle. Yeah. (laughs) Doing that. I I may do the splits and hurt myself, but I'm not going to 
I'm not going to do it, but you know, bump it into some idiot on the field, football field. Yeah. So it was just a different, it was just a different approach. And I think that there's, there is power in owning what you're doing. Granted, like you said, there are environments where that does not work. Yeah. Um, I happen to have been in one that, where it worked. So I was, I was very lucky in that sense. And then, and then you went on to Berkeley, which obviously is a very hard school to get into. Um, did you go to school for theater or what did you go to Berkeley for? No, my, my, my family is primarily in education. So I okay. was, I was sort of expecting to come out with some sort of a degree in something that would allow me to become a teacher or go into education. Um, a lot of what I was interested in at that point was like ethnic studies, African-American studies, sociology, things like that. So I was thinking it was going to be a lot of how do people interact with other people? What are, what are the, even gay and lesbian studies. I was doing that because mm -hmm. I came out like probably the moment I stepped onto campus. I was like, hey, I'm here and I'm gay. Um, but because I was doing theater, because I was doing this, I started in this acting class that sort of just, I really just felt like I needed to keep, to maintain some creative outlet after doing dance and, and uh, show choir in, in high school. Um, my focus just kept going back to the theater. So even when I was, you know, writing theses and papers on what, what, whatever sort of ethnic studies topic I was, uh, I was asked to, to, to cover, I always ended up sort of doing it through the, the lens of this is how movies presented dark skinned actors versus light skinned actors. Mm -hmm. This is what, this is what, um, what in in the history of film, this is how the the gay characters were often the villain, and they were not explicitly gay, but there was always this arch sort of camp character who was twirling his mustache, who the audience sort of recognized as gay, even though no one ever you know there was not a boyfriend or a lover or a you know glory hole or whatever. Um, but so that's the kind of stuff I was always talking about when I was doing these papers where I was studying people. Uh, so. It always ended up going back to theater and film. So I just felt like that's what, if that's what I'm interested in, I should probably keep focusing on that. So I ended up graduating with a, an American studies uh, degree, which is sort of like a, an, like a, just a culture, you know, American culture. What, what, what yeah. is American culture about? And yeah. obviously that is shifting every day. We're learning more and more oh, about yes. what American culture really is, what it's always been and where it's going. So, um, but in you know the '90s when I was in in school, uh, it was a it was a very interesting sort of interdisciplinary field where you could pull in ethnic studies, African American studies, gay and lesbian studies, all these sociology, all these different fields, and sort of talk about what you were interested in. And so what I talked about was um, black folks and queer folks and in film. Let me ask you a question just to like kind of piggyback on that. Um, you have been in this industry a long time, right? So you probably started, I looked at your resume because um, I was curious as to like when you started booking. I mean, I know you started yeah. acting in college, but w the span of when I moved to Hollywood, obviously like your friend Megan never, never succeeded as an actress. It's okay. I'm doing okay right now. Um, but <laughs> I was auditioning, you know, at like in like, I think I moved here in 1999, almost 2000. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was moved the here in 97. worst yeah. cocktail waitress on the planet, dropped every drink, got fired from the Sky Bar, got fired from like every Good cocktailing job. Wow. I was cute back Sky then. Bar. And I had abs, which 
if you know the sky bar, you had to wear the tight tank top. Anyway, yes. got fired. Um, got fired from like <laughs> numerous, numerous cocktailing and bartending jobs. But my question to you on a serious note is like the the industry has like almost like like run so quickly in the past like five years, like from from it being like you are categorized as the black gay actor best friend, right? That was like in the late 90s, 2000s. And now you're seeing like so much diversity in casting, which is like this has been needed for <laughs> this has been needed forever. But I'm just curious as to like your thoughts on that. And then also having your background of like what you studied and in in college and like got your degree in like how do you feel about that do you feel like I'm assuming you must feel like part of you is torn and this is me answering for you but this is like how I'm putting myself mm -hmm. in your body like well why did it take this long and now is it like almost like a little like too late like I'm just curious I would love to have your thoughts on that well what, what we're seeing what I'm seeing mm -hmm. uh is a, a violent reaction to the diversification of characters and, and, and stories on television and, and film. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it's been a long time coming. Uh, yes, it's, it's, we needed to have, you know, I, what I did, what we didn't talk about in my little introduction or usually had mentioned, but I didn't was the show Noah's Ark, which I was on in from 2005 to 2000, basically eight. It was two seasons in a movie. Um, and made you like, that's how you're kind of like a household name. Like people in the industry know you. I know I not in any way. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a black gay household name, but like no one else knows who I am. Well, that Ryan, Mur said, Ryan Murphy knows who that, you are. <laughs> that's a, I mean, Ryan I'm, does know I'm obsessed I with Ryan. Anything Ryan Murphy touches. <laughs> I'm like, I love you, Ryan Murphy, like make whatever you make and I'll watch it. So I just, anyways, yeah. proceed, go on. Yeah, and at that time, Noah's and Noah's Ark is a show very similar to Sex in the City or Girlfriends mm -hmm. or even Golden Girls about four best friends. But in this case, they were four black gay men in Los Angeles, each of them with a, you know the very distinct you know personality. One of them was very promiscuous. One of them was very sassy. One of them was naive and artistic. That was me, the romantic lead. Uh, and what? And one of them was an academic. And what that showed really sort of change on the whole landscape of television and film was, oh, we can center these characters. This was in 2005. We can center these characters in an entire show and then a movie. Quiet as it's kept, two movies. There's another movie coming out that no one knows about yet. But um, uh, these characters can be centered and these stories can be compelling and people will watch this show. And I think that what the fear has been is that if white men aren't at the center of stories we can't no how's america gonna gonna sit through it right even even so women-centered stories have been few and far between like particularly women at over the age of 40 mm -hmm. all of these things are sort of shifting we just saw michelle yo win an, an academy award for which is crazy i was so excited everything yeah yeah everything everywhere all at once and it was just like yes first of all amazing that an Asian woman finally won an Academy Award. Embarrassing that we're 95 years in. That was the 95th Oscars. But then also something that we haven't, 
I, I haven't heard discussed quite as much is the fact that she's an older woman. She's a woman over over 50. She's, who six, is she's 62, at the, I think. I might be wrong on that. At the top of her game. Yeah. That movie, if you saw it, she's doing everything, everywhere, all at once. So yeah. the fact that we're seeing that now is amazing. And yes, embarrassing that this it's taken us this long to to to, to see that. Um and you know, I'm I would not be shocked if there was another backlash. You know, where every every time somebody makes a little progress who's not white and male and mm -hmm. cisgender and heterosexual, this country has some like violent backlash to it. So congratulations to her, and I don't want to take anything away from her, but I do think we have to now brace ourselves for this, you know, we've already seen with uh with the, the former the former guy's vilification of, of the Chinese when when COVID dropped. Mm -hmm anti-Asian violence skyrocketing. So it's just like every time something happens that does not center white men, this country has a violent reaction to it. So I will say, yes, we're making progress in television and film. However, what we're also seeing is, you know, RuPaul's had a show on for what, 15 years now? Longer than that. Le this yeah. year? Yeah. 15, maybe 16 years. Yeah. Uh, this year, starting probably last year, all this, these these uh, state representatives started becoming hysterical about drag queens and the danger that they're that they're they're po they're posing to children. No drag queen is interested in your child. Worry about your pastor, right? Worry about the, the preacher at your Catholic church before you worry about a drag queen. No, nope, no, nope, that's not even an issue. But because the elect the the Republicans have now been you know elected into power, they're now controlling the Senate. <sighs> because and they don't want to do anything. They don't want to actually solve any problems. They don't want to deal with gun violence, which is don't get me started. Huge. Don't get me they've, started. Yeah. Let whipped, me let me just say let me just say to a frenzy about let me just say one thing about what you're saying because I really feel yeah. extremely passionate about this. And what's weird to me is it's like talking out of two sides of your mouth, right? Like here we are hiring black and Asian actors and women over 60 are winning Oscars and women over 60, by the way, are looking hot and good yes. and taking care Did of ourselves. I mean, look at her. <laughs> she looks amazing. And so what it does, and I'm like an aging woman in living in Los Angeles. I happen to be a white woman and I understand my privilege and, and, um, and I don't think it's right you know, the privileges that way people have, but don't get me started on that. But it's so weird to me that the industry seems to be going in a direction that's the complete opposite of what we're, we're going in, in our country. Like I say a lot of times, I'm like, I don't remember like the, 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 maybe it's just because I'm too Pollyanna, but I've been going to drag shows and like watching drag, like since I was like a teenager, this is just perform. It's performance. It's performance art. It's a, if you go to a drag show and if you're by the way, listening to this and you want to turn it off because we're getting political, then maybe it's not the right podcast for you because I feel extremely passionate about these topics and it actually breaks my heart to be honest, because I do know performers that do drag and this is their livelihood and they're good at it. Just like a lot of uh, other industries, you can be in all different kinds of industries, but 
it's not right that you're putting judgments like they have something wrong with them because they're dressing up and performing. It's performance art. It's been going on since the the beginning of time. People in Egypt were dressing in drag. So like it doesn't make any sense that this is something that people are all fired up about. And it really infuriates me because it's like it seems like the industry is like going one direction. And then there's people that all of a sudden in you're living in Florida and my mom lives in Florida and I have friends in Florida, but like, who are you to tell somebody that they cannot say gay, that they cannot be gay? Like, this is not like where we are, we should be. And we are in time. And if you, and I talk a lot about this because my, like I say, I'm very passionate about this. I happen to be a straight woman, but half of my friends are gay. And I will tell you that I have had numerous conversations since I was a young girl with gay young men that have told me in college they wanted to commit suicide because they were too afraid to come out of the closet. Um, not feeling accepted, not like feeling like there's something wrong with them themselves. And then to have somebody and like come as far as we are having laws turned over, like, I'm sorry, but how dare you? Like, and what you just brought up about guns, I'm very passionate about gun control as well. Like, why are we not paying attention to things that really matter? Like, being a parent, you'll find this out in a few years. You have a two and a half year old. It's even scary now for toddlers to go to school. Being a parent, the feeling of every day sending my two daughters to school and somewhere in the back of my mind, knowing like, and have, and I get emotional about this, but having my young daughter tell me that's nine in third grade last week, they did a drill, but there was like an Amber alert. And she said, mom, like it was an Amber alert and we heard this thing, but we knew there wasn't a drill. And so they heard like the alarm. So they all thought that there might be some kind of attack on the school. So to have your kids get in the car and this is the norm and we're sitting here and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm like up on my pulpit because sometimes I do this and I'm sorry, Daryl, but to, to, no, please to have this be the norm in our country and then have, I'm sorry, but white privileged men are the ones that are making, stating these opinions and saying, it's not okay to say you're gay and it's not okay to go to a drag show. Like, what are you doing to not have our children be afraid to go to school? Like enough is enough. Enough is enough. And I'm so tired of it. And I think that if you really have the thoughts that you do and you're listening in other parts of the country where maybe you lean red, really like take a look at yourself. And and I'm not saying you're a bad person. I would never say that. I grew up in Washington, D.C. My I grew up a Republican. I I'm very honest about the fact that yes, I lean and social issues all left. I'm pretty much as left as I can be. Sometimes I lean in the middle in certain issues, but at the end of the day, our our country is in big trouble because if we're focusing on a a a, a man that dresses up as a woman and performs and makes other people in the audience happy, 
like if you've gone to a drag show, you know what it feels like to leave and be happy. You're happy. Like I'll, I'll shut up there and I'll let you talk. Cause I'm basically taking up the whole podcast. I'm sorry. No, but I think what you're saying is absolutely, absolutely correct. And to the, to your point about people who are listening, who are in red states, who lean red, I think it's also time for us, you to really interrogate your news sources and really sort of start to interrogate the people who you're choosing as your leaders. And are they actually leading you anywhere that you want to go? If you think that drag queens are the biggest danger in this country and Republicans right now are only focused on drag queens and trans folks, and they've made it look like trans folks and drag queens are somehow victimizing children, Mm -hmm. that parents who are affirming their their trans children's identity are somehow harming those children. If you knew the way non-gender conforming children's suicide rates are rising Mm -hmm. again because of this rhetoric in politics, you're not helping or saving children. You're harming children. And the idea that someone who doesn't know your child can decide how you raise them, how you allow them to dress, Somebody, either Texas or Florida, has, or maybe even Tennessee, just introduced something that would uh, allow for parents of trans children to be arrested, for the child to be taken away, for the parents to go to prison, because they are affirming their children. They are raising their children the way they want to, allowing them to be who they want to be. How is this anyone else's business? It's like gay marriage. Mm-hmm. How is who I'm married to affecting your life at all? How is it detracting from your marriage at all? It's not. And until you start to really question why the people that you are electing into office are throwing red meat at you like drag queens and trans convert, you know, children, there's not going to be uh, any progress made here. We're all going to be caught up in this sense of us versus them. That's what they're doing. They're keeping you angry at the other. It was Muslims and Mexicans when Trump was elected. Now it's drag queens and trans people. It's always the other. And black folks have been the other forever. So it's always going to be how do we vilify them to keep you white people, normal white, you know, hardworking white people Mm -hmm. from noticing that we are raising your taxes and making it easier for billionaires to not pay taxes. We are allowing your children to be sent to school with guns in anyone's hands who wants to buy them. And we're not dealing with it because the NRA is, is funding our campaigns. How, until they, until you folks who are listening, Mm -hmm. who are leaning in that direction, really start to question why they're so focused on folks who have nothing to do with your life. If you don't know any drag queens or trans people, let them be. Let them live their lives. Your children are not in danger at a drag show. If you, the only way a child is going to a drag show is if their parents takes them to a drag show. And it's in, you know, a brunch setting. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, you know, gay bars in the middle they're of the not, night. And they're not going they're to a, a strip club. Shows. Like nobody's stripping. Like they're I not don't going know to strip what clubs. people are thinking. Drag brunches are entirely harmless. They're lip syncing to Madonna and Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. It's a fun show that's entertaining for queer folks and their friends. 
Drag Queen Story Hour is one of the most delightful things you've ever seen. They are reading storybooks to children, stirring up this whimsical, magical presentation because of, you know, their glitter and huge pink wigs. It's not sexual. No one's grooming your kids. They're making magic for your kids. They're telling stories. It's, it's, drag queens are magical. They're not harmful to anyone. So figure out why Ron DeSantis and the dude who keeps getting elected in Texas, who's not Beto O'Rourke, and I don't understand Texas. Let me stop. Why we're still fighting with people who have no power. Why we are vilifying the people who are at the lowest I can't say totem pole, that's offensive, who are the lowest rung on the ladder mm -hmm. in society, why we keep kicking them further further down. Well, because Who's this is serving? like the history of our country, right? And what's mm -hmm. so scary right now is I will never know what it's like to be, have black skin. I will never know what it's like to be Asian. I will never know what it's like to walk into a store and be a black woman. I just won't. I, I take, you know, we, I take that for granted that I automatically am the color of skin that I am. But what I can tell you and what I can tell you, uh, my last breath on this planet as it, in the body that I'm in is that I will work to educate myself. And if I do have the platform that I do, then I should be telling people stories of, you know, I had a mother on last year that had a trans child and the pain that she had to go through, the judgment that people cast on her. Um, she was living, she's living in like rural Virginia. Do you think that oh. anybody in their right mind, like, that's the thing you always have to understand that in order, because what this really stems from is prejudice. And they say, in order to get over a prejudice, you either need to live work or actually like spend time with somebody, somebody that you don't understand. I think that if a lot of these people, because I know a lot of people that are Republicans and they are not bad people. Some of them happen to be my friends and I've grown up with them and I've known them my whole life. And I know that a lot of them are good, good people. And maybe they're just being like the news outlets are just kind of like, it's like constant brainwashing, you know, like constantly putting stuff into people's heads. And then we have people over the age of 60 that are just like at that age where they're just like being constantly brainwashed and lied to and it's wrong and it's not okay. But what I, what I, in my Pollyanna world is if people actually sat with a mother of a, of a young child that was born, felt from the age of two or three that they were born in the wrong body. And the mother said to me, I either like had the choice of like wanting my kid to be on this planet or them at some point wanting to not live. Well, I'm going to choose to be the mother of like my, my now daughter because I know that it was going in that direction. And this is how I'm raising my child and then people having to move all this stuff that goes along. So I think like, just to like, kind of like talk a little bit more about this conversation is I don't think anybody's trying to take anything away from anybody else. Everything stems from money in this country. So like guns, 
it's all about money. Um, but it's also about like, I think there is so much going back to like Hollywood. Like there's so many people that are like, well, we want to make changes. Everybody should be represented. Look at what happens when we make a movie and it like does a really insane box office. Like this can happen and it is happening. And I don't know, like, just to go backwards a little bit, if it that's like you're saying the backlash, like people are going to be like, well, this isn't okay. And you're taking something away from me because I'm a white man and I'm mad that this, this is being taken away from me. Nobody's saying that. People are saying it's time for everybody to be treated the same. And if you go to church every Sunday and you claim that you're a Christian, at the root of Christianity, I'm a Christian is about loving thy neighbor, love thy neighbor, love thy neighbor, be kind, be gracious, do the right thing. I say a lot, we're here for such a short time in this, in this life. Do you really want to look back on your life when you're older and go, I was an asshole. Like I was racist. I did this. I was mad because somebody was gay and they got married and they don't even live anywhere on my street, you know, like think about that. And I don't know, like, I just, this, all of this stuff, like really boils my blood. <laughs> Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So your 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 initial question was yeah like an hour is ago is the progress is the is the yeah <laughs> is the progress that we're or the or the diversity that we're seeing happening on television reflective of what's happening in the world I would say Hollywood um, as you as you just said money mm -hmm. it's all about money right Hollywood has noticed that these movies about black folks and Asian folks are actually making a lot of money mm -hmm. so they are making more 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 movies that are more reflective of the diversity that actually exists in this country. 
But I think that along with that, we're seeing, as you just mentioned, white folks feeling, white men in particular, feeling like they're no longer centered and that that somehow threatens their existence. And I think that, you know, when you have grown up in a country and uh, in a culture that has told you that you basically can do no wrong, that you are entitled to everything, um, and that everybody who doesn't look like you is the enemy and deserves less than you. Mm -hmm. When the world starts to shift and we start to see black women and, and Latina women uh, moving into political positions of power, political power, and we start to see films with, you know, 60-year-old Asian women kicking butt on screen and then winning Oscars, you, you're going to start to feel like something's being taken away from you. And the truth is, nothing's being taken away from you. Your life is being enriched by, by witnessing and, and experiencing things that are outside of your worldview. You, drag queens, I don't know how many of you are watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Some of the most, I don't watch reality television. When there was a writer's strike, I don't know, 20, 15 years ago, and all these reality shows started happening and actors stopped working because there were no writers, so there were no scripted shows, so then the industry became all about reality shows. And so just based on principle, I don't watch any Housewives, I don't watch any of that because I feel like funding that, fueling Jersey Shores and things like that that are just exploiting people's messiness and 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 Oh, God, Daryl, I don't agree. I watch a lot of Real Housewives. <laughs> you're talking to the wrong lady. But go on. I get I'm what you're even, saying. I'm not, even, I'm not even taking that away from you. What I'm saying is... No, but you're right. Uh, you're right. RuPaul's Drag Race yeah. is the only reality show that I watch. Mm -hmm. And it's because we get to see queer folks take something that they have been doing to survive. Drag, honestly, is a way for those sissy boys who got beat up in high school to find something that they thrive at, mm -hmm. make money, make a living, um, and feel good about themselves. We're, a child molester is going to be a child molester. They're not going to be a drag queen. Drag queens don't have access to children normally. And the ones who are going out of their way to read children's books to children at public libraries are not interested in your children. In that way, they want to give back to the community that has allowed them to thrive as as drag queens. It's it's so backwards the the, the narrative that that the conservative media and politi politicians have uh, sort of thrust us into. Just consider that these people are living their lives. Um the best way they know how. Mm -hmm. And and we're all just trying to get through this life intact, right? That's what we're all trying to do. And some boys, believe it or not, like dressing up as women. We like, you know, as a kid, my mom caught me in her tights once. I'm sure I was wearing heels at some point. I've done drag. Normally it's for a show or, you know, but a TV show or a, or a movie. But the reality is it's fun for us. And it doesn't, we're not taking anything away from real women. Trans folks are not taking anything away from cis people. We're only trying to live our lives. Let us live our lives. A hundred percent. Let us be who we are. And 
also understand that in us, in, in the same breath as us allow, being allowed to be ourselves, you are going to feel like that experience does not reflect my day-to-day life. And you're going to feel like, no, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. Everything I see on television should be exactly, should be, you know, Wally and June Cle- you know, Cleaver, folks that look like me, who live like me, who think like me. No, baby. The real world is your neighbor across the street could be speaking a different language. You don't even know it in the house. They could be uh, Iranian speaking Farsi every day and you don't know it. They wave and say hello to you. There are different experiences in every single household. Your household, the one that we've all been fed as normal America, white folks in nuclear, you know, two parent households. Mm-hmm. 1960s, like, yeah. 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 That's not what everyone's life looks like. No. And that's okay. And it shouldn't, by the way. And it's not going to. Like, that's the thing that I... It never... Honestly, it never even did. It never did. The reality of of America is we're all about mythology. We're all about... We are the the, the best people in the world. We have saved, you know, these savage countries from their savage selves. We... And really, we're just a bunch of, you know, colonizing imperialists, just like everyone else who is taking oil from countries who are in turmoil. But the stories that we are telling ourselves to justify that are the same ones that we are telling ourselves, that we are now hearing through conservative media and conservative political folks who are saying that we are the ones who have the truth. We are the only ones who know the answer. And anybody who tells you something different is wrong and taking something away from you. That's not the case. Black folks are not trying to take anything from you. Black folks are not going to get your guns and come at you the way you come at us. The, the cops who are killing black folks in the street are not serving you. They're just killing black folks in the street. They're destroying families. It's not, it's not, and you talk about the kids who grow up in a fatherless household because their, their dad was put in prison for 20 years for, for smoke, smoking weed. Y'all smoke weed. Don't act like you don't smoke weed. Yeah. But it's black men who go, black and Latino men who go to prison for 20 years for it. And then those families are disjointed. And then that kid grows up and ends up doing something criminal because he can't, his mom can't afford to take care of him. I mean, this is the story that we're, we're constantly telling ourselves. Why does it always go back to gun violence in Chicago? Because that's the narrative your, your media is teaching you. What, let me ask you Intra, a question. Interracial violence is always the case. If there, if there was a way, because I spend a lot of time thinking about this, actually, like what my piece or what my part is, like what, what, because sometimes I feel like, oh, I can interview a million people talking about being shot or being in mass shootings. I've interviewed many and yeah. I asked them this question, well, what? what would you say or what would you do? And it's like, well, I was shot. Like one girl I had on was shot in the eye in a, in a, and now has to thank God she's alive. She has, she was shot in the head. Now she wears a prosthetic eye. Um, and it's the same thing. It's like, well, what can I do? My hands are tied. What, 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 if we all like talked to each other, in a way where we could actually educate. So if you're sitting at a Thanksgiving table, for example, and I happen to have a Thanksgiving table where it, <laughs> I don't agree with the people sitting at my Thanksgiving table and I end up getting up and I'm pissed and I'm mad because I feel like I can't say anything 
because if I say something, it's just going to turn into a fight and you're going to say what you think and the other person's going to say what they think. And then somebody storms off and that's the end of Thanksgiving. Right. And I'm using that just as an example, because I think that's very common in our country, but like, how are we ever going to make changes unless we really stop being so brainwashed by the news outlets and different things that are said, you know, like how can we, what my question to you is, how can we talk to each other? What are things we can do? Cause you and I agree, like we can get mad right. all day and throw our arms up. And then the other side, there's some podcast going on right now where somebody is like talking about how DeSantis is right. Nobody's talking to each other. Yeah. And what would you say? Like, what are things that people can do? And maybe they are listening to this. Maybe I have one person that's listening to this and going, well, maybe like, I would be open to hearing that side of things. What would you say? Like, what should we do? I know this is like, I think that, go ahead. Yeah. Your, I, your question is, is, is the question right now mm-hmm. in this country. How do we stop polarizing ourselves with this? You know, I think one of the, one of the tricks quite honestly is the two party system has made us, the, us against them, mm-hmm. the Democrats versus the Republicans, and the Democrats are trying to, for the most part, lo- looking towards progress. How do we change for the better? How do we take care of the, the majority of us? And the Republicans are, how do we put those people down and take care of ourselves? How do we take care of ourselves? Right? That's how it feels. That's 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 the sort of how do we defend ourselves from the other? Is what the Republicans have sort of set themselves and, up and to the be. Republicans, How, Republicans, and keep your guns. And the Republicans think that, in all fairness, about the Democrats. So that's why it's like yes. a constant war. What are you taking from me? Yes. What are you taking from me? So if we yes. had two sides, and, two people, like. How do we get each other to freaking sit down and shut up and talk to each other so we're not sitting here talking about some young black boy that's walking home and beaten to death, basically? You know, like what is going to, what is it going to, and for being a woman, I have two daughters, you have a daughter, our reproductive rights have been taken away. Like what is going on, you know? I think that I think that for me the, the the key is are we are we focused on helping people? Mm-hmm. Are we focused on taking something away from people? And if your focus and 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 I and I, and I'll, I hear the narrative now. What we're doing is trying to protect children from drag queens who are all of a sudden. This just happened in the last six months, yeah. right? They're now groomers. I'm hearing on Twitter, anytime I speak in defense of a drag queen or a trans person, groomer. What? That's Fox News. That is straight up out of the mouth of Tucker Carlson and the rest of those, those people, right? They, that narrative has been created to make you believe it is okay to take away the rights of somebody else. That those people should not exist. We have to step those people out because all of a sudden they are a danger to your ch- to your children. They weren't. They never have been. If your child is trans or queer, what you want in the world is someone like RuPaul who has a platform to make them believe, give them a sense of 
there is a safe space for you somewhere in the world. You want that for your queer or trans kid. You don't want them growing up in a world where they can't say gay, where they can't try on your shoes. You want a space where everyone is free to be themselves. Do we want anyone molesting our children? Of course we do not. Queer folks don't want that either. If we're being honest, churches are the places we should be protesting, not drag shows. Wow. Because that's the place where the majority of people in the public eye are abusing children. So let's talk about what's actually happening in the world versus the narrative that the conservative media has presented us with, right? Well, in all fairness, and I just did have, I had a priest recently on a Catholic, I am Catholic. I was brought, I was born Catholic for me. And and you know the truth of what's happened in that that environment. And I've had nothing my entire life except for good experiences. I credit my priest for saving my life. Like literally like beautiful. So there are, and I like to say that because just like there's an umbrella of judgment on whatever. Yes, there has, it's very sad. It's very scary. It's very unfortunate, but nobody is going to get in the middle of my faith with God. God number is my number one. And then it's me. And like church is just like the layer in between. But yeah, I agree with you because it's a real but listen, problem. That's how it should be. Yeah. Church should be the place that saves you. Yes. I, not the place that makes you feel bad about who you are. Yes. I church agree. should be the place that lifts you up, that brings you and your community together, mm-hmm. that brings you closer to your higher power. Mm-hmm. It should not make you feel like you want to kill yourself. It should not make you feel like your son deserves to die. It should not make you feel like your trans kid should be stamped out, should not have the gender affirming care that they need to feel like they're the best version of themselves. That's not what church should be about. Well, I think, it should not I think be a place the church where anybody needs goes. to modernize. And I think, believe it or not, like in every faith it is like, but it's taking time. To- the Pope is, the Pope is speaking, yeah, about- the Pope is speaking the, the, like the most progressive I know. person in in the public right now. I, I, I feel like, yes, that Pope, this person right here is, oh, te- is teaching us where our thinking as a culture needs to go. Stop vilifying and beating down these people who are not doing anything but trying to live their best lives. Well, we're also lucky and because that, we, and live, we live in Los Angeles. So like my church has an LGBTQ yeah. plus group. Like we, they have a group of, you know, parishioners that, and they have their meetings and everything. We're very fortunate to live in a melting pot of Los Angeles. Um, yes. Yes. But picture being in like the middle and I don't want to say a state, I'll just say somewhere in the South and there's yeah. no support. Or, or even just the middle of the country. Middle of the country. Yeah. And there's no support and you're sitting here and like not to bring back the trans topic, but your kids identifying as like saying they don't want to be here. They would like to take their own life or I would like to wear a pair of heels and tights. Like really? Cause I think that if parents really understood this or they had a child that was trans or gay and didn't want to live because they didn't want their, they knew their parents wouldn't love them or accept them because what they're preaching or what they're hearing on the news to really have that child and understand what it's like as a parent is really different than just spewing out words of hate, because that's what 
it comes down yeah. to. You're not loving thy neighbor. And listen, I'm a I'm a new yeah. I'm a new parent, right? I've I've I, my kid's two and a half years old. I, the the love and protectiveness I feel for this kid, I did not know was in my body. Yeah. Right. So now, so now I hear about queer kids who are kicked out of their out of their house. They come out to their parents, and I think, how on earth do you, as a parent, justify? kicking your 15-year-old kid out of the house because he has a crush on a boy. How do you, in your brain, after having stayed up sleepless nights, feeding this child, changing their diaper, mm -hmm. teaching them to use the potty, where on earth does your heart go? Does your heart go when you say, okay, because of who you love, because of something that was natural to you, mm -hmm. Get out of my house. I cannot imagine. I cannot, from the depths of my soul, figure out how a parent could do that to their child. Now, given that, if your kid is queer, where's their safe space? Are you their safe space? Is RuPaul's Drag Race that they're sneaking and watching in the middle of the night their only safe space? I'm giving RuPaul a lot of play. There are other shows. Noah's Ark was a safe space for a lot of black queer kids in 2005 and 2006, and to this day. And I think that what we need to remember is that not everybody thinks the way we do. There are shows on TV that right now that I'm like, who the hell, the Housewives are a perfect example. Thank you, Megan, for, for being somebody who see, watches that and thinks, this is entertaining to me. I don't understand it at all. Yeah. They're, they're women being mean to each other. Why are we watching that? Okay, you should have a conversation with my husband, and in all fairness, I at one point thought I would make a perfect real housewife. Let's be real. I would. I have an Irish temper. You would. I would. You would. I would. You're, and and I, you're very and, funny. Okay. You're but, very funny. And, and you should be on TV. But let me just say this. I, for me, I watch it because it's an outlet, a stress outlet. I find it like, mm. I find it like ridiculous in a lot of ways. And I don't know. I think it's a weird thing. Like people don't understand why people watch it, but people that do watch it get how like women like pull each other down. I don't, I know it's not healthy, but for me, it's a stress outlet. There's nothing better to me than watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's like my happy place. And it is ridiculous. They're all fighting with each other. They're being mean, but that like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be watching it, but that, I, if like all other women or not all other women, but there's a large majority of women that are like, want to talk the next day about what they saw on Real Housewives or Vanderpump queer, Rules, queer, right? What's going queer on? Black men, queer black men on Twitter yeah, having conversations about Real Housewives of Atlanta constantly. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. So I understand that, that these are safe spaces for you. That's your safe space for some kid in the middle of America. There's a show on HBO Max called We're Here. Yeah, I love it. Shangela I Bob watch Drag it. Queen and Eureka. Yeah, I love where it. Where they're going into these rural and sort of, uh, I don't want to say. Uh, well, they are. Less progressive yeah. areas. Yeah. In their cars, right? in their and costumes. Allowing, Yes. Yeah. And they're allowing these people to feel like, yes, you can be yourself and it's okay. And there are places, maybe not here in this town today, mm -hmm. but yes, today, today you can do it. 
because we're here and we got cameras and we're going to do it with you and we're going to make you feel fabulous. Maybe we're going to have to figure out how your town is going to eventually become cool with this, but you have to create safe spaces for your kids. Drag shows, believe it or not, like RuPaul's Drag Race, are safe spaces for some kids. Drag queens reading to, books to some kids in a library. They're, believe me, if I was a child living in where I grew up, Pasadena, and my mom took me to the Altadena Library and there was a, drag, a man in drag reading Charlotte's Web to me. First of all, I'd probably be scared because there's so much makeup and, and you know, a drag queen in the daytime is often scary, right? But, but, but there would be a sense in my mind, in my heart, that, oh, there are different ways for men to express themselves and to, be, and to perform and to take care of each other. And that's a good thing. It's this we're we're just like trans folks are not. I I could like I, talk I, I, to you. I, I want to talk about this all day. I could talk about this all day, and I'm I'm bummed because we didn't get into like stuff. But I think this is important, um, because yeah. of the these reasons. If we don't, if we don't talk about this stuff and get real, and everything's just like surface then we have a problem. My, I'm not going to say who, but I was watching um, an award show with somebody and the person said, this was a while back. And the person said, Oh, I changed the channel. Um, I hate how political Hollywood is. Yeah. And mm. if you know me and I, and Ryan Murphy, who's like, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm like his biggest fan. And my husband was on American yeah. Horror Story. And I'm like, why can't he come back? Yeah. You know, <laughs> because I love him so much. Um, but he did a speech about like the the don't say gay in his acceptance speech. I think yeah. it was the SAG. It might have been the Golden Globes. I can't remember which one. And the person I was with said, turn this off. This is just all becoming too political. And I don't did not have a choice to like be in the room or not be in the room. And I just burst out crying. Yeah. And I said, mm. my gay friends, like Michael and Josh and Bowman, like these are people, Wayne, Evan, these are people that I met in my life and they are my family. I mean, I really get emotional about this because they are my family. and if you are going to not be supportive of my family, you're not being supportive of me. You're not loving me, you know? And that's, I think like we all, like if people are saying things, it's our duty to like stand up for what we believe, even though it can be scary, you know, and, and uncomfortable. Yeah. If you're in a situation like I was. And that was your question, right? Yeah. That was your question. How do we deal with those different yeah. views at the table, basically. And this is how you deal with it. You, you deal with say, it like that, you know, and I didn't mean to cry. I'm an emotional person, but like to my core, like this is like what we're supposed to be doing as human beings. And I think until we all stand up and if it means us being emotional, I think the person that, that was watching that award show with me understood by the end. So, yeah. Um, I could talk to you all day. I what really quickly because I was like, oh, we're only going to be an hour. Just one more question. 
what are you doing acting wise? Are you auditioning? Um, are you like you're saying there's a new Noah's Ark movie coming out? I don't know when this is going to this it has not been announced okay. so I don't know when this is going to air but oops Uh-oh. did I say that It'll um, it's coming yes, out soon yes, there, sorry about that <laughs> Um yeah so we sh- we shot this movie in a uh, a few months ago Okay it was actually supposed to come out last month but uh it's been pushed so it'll be out I think I'm assuming because it's expected to be out within the next month and a half two months that the announcement will be coming soon okay um unless you know like batgirl it just goes away and doesn't get it released at all who knows but yes so there's that uh coming and yeah i've been i've been auditioning lately it's you know since covid and even really before covid as you know because you live with an actor Mm -hmm. uh auditions are not are no longer we're no longer driving to auditions all of our auditions are now in the house so you're probably having to read sides with ron Ron, Ron is on ice right now he kind of is not acting. Oh, he quit. Yeah. So I don't think it's, did he officially quit? He qu- no, he didn't quit. He, well, he, no, he didn't. He, like he's very busy. I know he's doing real estate. Yeah, he's but... so busy with that. He didn't have time, and um, there was a point where he was up for something, and then he, he lost it. And I just he was like, I can't. It's not for yeah. me right now. That doesn't mean it's, it's not forever. Life. And when you said yeah. in the very beginning, because I'm going to end with this thought, you said as an actor, you never, you always feel like you're not successful enough, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, my husband says the same things to me. And I watched for years the heartache and the pain of auditioning and like getting yeah. so close to things and then losing them. But what I want to remind you of is the the people in the population that can actually say that they've done what you've done and how much you've affected, especially for you, for what you do, some young boy in middle America that was afraid to come out and was inspired by you and your character or your story. Do you know, I I hear, I hear from people who have had that experience all the time. Yeah. It's huge. And how humbling and how gratifying that is, it's 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 something that you don't really ever expect as a performer or an artist. You think, oh, I'm just gonna just do what I do and get by. But then, because of that show and because of the some of the work I've gotten subsequent to that show, I I have the very distinct honor of having touched people in a way that actually allows them to feel like they're able to be themselves in ways that they didn't before, which is really what we want for the world right yeah. we want everyone to feel like they can be themselves without hurting other people that's what we're talking about nobody's here to hurt you and i no- mean there are people here to hurt you yeah and there and by the way nobody's <laughs> here by the way to take your gun away from you i just want to say that because i have had feedback no. in the past no. about that i'm not trying to take your guns away yeah we're not trying to we're just trying to like live our lives be parents be good people and I think that that's why and I feel safe and, and, and let our kids safe. be safe and let our kids like be able to walk down the street safely and in all communities. Yeah. And, um, in closing, I adore you. Um, I think uh, as I do, you, surprise! I'm, surprise! I'm so happy you came on, <laughs> um, in closing everyone. Like I always like to say, be happy by making other people happy. Like life is short. We have one short life. I'm, I'm basically hopefully midway, like longer than midway through mine. But 
who knows with my Chardonnay drinking lately, because I have been drinking a little bit too much, but I'm going back on the wagon, FYI. But be happy by making other people happy. Thank you, Daryl. You're the best surprise. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Thank you.